Mortgage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now, 800-477-9256, and ask for free information from an expert who also completed our program, 800-477-9256, or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com, 800-477-9256, or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. What in the world is going on? Stay tuned to FirstAmendmentRadio.com to find out first. And on satellite at Galaxy 13, Channel 16, Audio Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. We're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. Today is December 25th, so it seems reasonable that we should actually be talking about Christmas. Christmas takes place on December 25th, or at least it does today. In ancient times, that wasn't necessarily the case. There were a number of different days that people celebrated the birth of Christ. As a matter of fact, they celebrated this thing we call Christmas long before Christ was even born in much the same way that we celebrate it today. And is that all bad? Is that all good? Where is the good? Where is the bad? Where? What can we learn from history to make sure that we do not repeat the mistakes of history? And what can we learn from history so that we actually follow the ways of Christ and the will of God? Now, there were holidays in ancient Israel. There were feast days, days that people set aside, that they didn't go to work, that they actually got together with other people and had a good time. And they called them feasts. And there were many of them. And they had a purpose. They had a social purpose, a spiritual purpose, a physical purpose. Uh, they had uh, lots of value to society and they should not be shunned, they should be participated in, but there are the same types of feasts were held by other people that had different values. So how did we distinguish when we are going wrong in the exercise and celebration of our feast days, whenever they are, and when we are going the ways of God? Now, a lot of people put a great deal of emphasis on what specific day you should be having your feast and that could have some value or importance but the arguing that goes about that particular subject I see is very divisive and not very constructive ultimately we should be led by the Holy Spirit and if led by the Holy Spirit we should know what day simply because we're led by the Holy Spirit and we don't need to look at signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. We would actually know. Now, there are signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and Jesus said that we should look for those signs to foretell certain events. He wasn't an astrologer. He actually had 
uh, specific ideas in mind, and we'll have to talk about that at another time, or we won't get to this subject of Christmas. On the Blog Talk Radio show that we had earlier this morning, we talked a little bit, had a prelude to all this, and kind of set the scene. But we're going to be pulling information from a number of different sources that are rather antagonistic to the Bible. And we are going to pull from sources that uh, may be extremely controversial. And there are arguments on the other side, but we cannot cover everything here. So we're taking an iconoclastic look at this thing we call Christmas. And we may do a little bit of tearing down of some of the rituals and ceremonies surrounding Christmas, but it isn't to be malicious or to take away your holidays or uh, take away any of these things, but to bring you to a greater understanding so that you can get on the path towards the ways of Christ and not be distracted by those little things that people mix into these holidays that are actually detrimental to the ways of Christ, the antithesis of the days of Christ and ways of Christ. So let's take a look at uh, Roman mythology. Uh, When Jupiter ascended to the throne, uh, Saturninus, Uh, which is uh, the individual who fled to Rome and established the Golden Age, a time of perfect peace and harmony which lasted as long as he reigned. The Feast of Saturnalia was held every year at the winter solstice to honor the Golden Age. During this time, no war could be declared. Slaves and masters ate at the same table. Executions were postponed. People exchanged gifts. It was a joyous time of celebration because it portrayed the idea of equality and recalled a time when all people were on the same level and when there were no kings and no slaves. You see... Early in the Roman history, they cast out the Tarquinian kings. Now, at that time, you had Etruscans, and they were fond of little gold medallions with a picture of the sun on it, so we say they were sun worshippers. And so, in a way, you end up with this Saturnalia holiday. One of the interesting things in studying the temples, trying to understand the adversary, trying to understand where the conflict really was, I find out that in the temple of Saturn, is where they kept all the birth certificates. It was their Bureau of Vital Statistics. And by Marcus Aurelius's day of 168 AD, they made it a law that everybody had to get a birth certificate within 30 days of the birth. And this was something that the Christians didn't cooperate with, so they were heavily persecuted because they were this idiotist group who was not participating and the rituals and ceremonies and holidays of the Romans. They didn't participate in that. They didn't celebrate Saturnalia. They didn't register their children in the Roman temple of Bureau of Vital Statistics, the, the temple of Saturn. They 
because they knew that that was the only reason you had to register that birth certificate is so that you could obtain benefits. And those benefits, those gifts, gratuities, and benefits offered by Rome were offered from a patronial uh, point of view because Caesar was the patron or a patronus of the people. He was their father, and Jesus had said, Call no man on earth father. So they didn't want those benefits. They went to church for their benefits. So they weren't celebrating Saturnalia in the early days. They weren't a part of that. They were separate. They had their own holidays. And most of their holidays were Jewish holidays, or what we call Hebrew holidays. Now, this winter solstice holiday didn't simply begin with them. There's lots of other myths that were floating around in those days. The modern tradition of Christmas are often attributed to the Saturnalia as celebrated during the golden age of the Pax Romana of the first century Rome. But many of the traditions predate the first century by hundreds of years, even thousands of years. The feast of the son of Isis and the god of Osiris, for instance, was celebrated in Egypt centuries before Jesus, the son of God, appeared. There is perhaps no myth in the Western world which is more widely accepted and yet so totally false as that according to which Jesus the Christ was born on December 25th. The element of the story is found preceding the advent of Christianity. Now, you, you can often tell by my voice when I'm reading something, and I won't give you the quotes of all these things because they're not really important. They're ideas of other men, and but it's true. There's no reason to believe that Christ was born on December 25th, and a lot of people say, well, what difference does it make? Uh, and the fact is, is, it may not make any difference. But by understanding that it's not, what difference does that make? Why, why is that so offensive? It's a little iconoclastic because everybody says it's his birthday. Well, no, it's not really his birthday, and there really isn't a Santa Claus, and he doesn't put tree, uh, you know, gifts under your tree, etc., etc., you know, I'm not even going to get into the parts where in the Bible and, and Jeremiah where it tells you not to bring a tree into your house and decorate it with gold and silver. But the fact that that does state that in the Bible tells you that these holidays far predate, and these rituals and ceremonies far predate Christ. And they were frowned upon and warned against. And it's not the actual ritual itself it's not bringing the tree in you know I always loved Johnny Fever's exclamation well in the true spirit of Christmas we went out and killed the tree uh, and I always thought you know I was a forester at one time I said why don't we just go out in the yard and decorate one of those spruce trees there and why kill a tree and bring it in and create a fire hazard and all this stuff you know we can cut off a few boughs and stuff if you want to bring in the smell or something like that or get some aromatic oils but uh, the fact is, I, I, we don't bring in a tree. We don't celebrate that. We, uh, we have lots of friends who do, and we don't give them a hard time about it. But we are trying to focus on the true message of Christ, which has nothing to do with a tree. Wrapped presents, Santa Claus, jingle bells, or any of these things that we have become so fond of repeating. Now, it does have to do with fellowship and family and coming together. 
And a lot of that does take place at Christmas and, Christmas and Hanukkah. So those things are good things. But how do we divest ourselves of the distraction and focus on the truth? And earlier in the broadcast on Blog Talk, I talked about the fact that we have all said the commercialism of Christmas has been a terrible thing, but none of us do anything to prevent that to any great extent. We're still all creating lists and obligations. We all have to buy these gifts, and we have to get them, and we have to give them, and we have to wrap them up, and we can't open them up till December 25th. And these are all imposed rituals upon us that actually have a detrimental effect on the minds and attitudes of children who grow up to be the next generation. And we I've heard people talking about it for 50 years and more. And yet, I see them not only still doing it, more and more are doing it. <laughs> and uh, it's got to stop, folks. But anyway, let's go on and take a look at some of these other things. The Catholic Church decreed a birth date for its founder, Jesus Christ, except for, now I'm quoting again, so I actually don't necessarily know that Jesus Christ is the founder because in many of the Catholic Church documents they name Constantine as the founder of the church. Uh, that's not a real popular thing to quote either, but the reality is that's where the Catholic Church really got its start, was Constantine. Primarily for the purposes of converting or comforting the communication uh, of various pagan cults. And this fact was well known to the early Christians who accused the Roman church Notice that the Christians over here are accusing the Roman Church, which first constituted this date of idolatry, paganism, and sacrilege for making December 25th the birthday of Jesus Christ. They called that idolatry, paganism, and sacrilege. Now, the Roman Church said you had to do it, but the other Christians said that it was a bad thing. It is interesting to also note that Martin Luther tried to abolish December 25th as Christian holiday, yet all Lutherans celebrated religiously. The English Parliament outlawed it in 1644, mostly from the influence of uh, the Puritans, and the Puritans in Massachusetts, we call the Pilgrims, did the same. However, when the Episcopalian Church of Charles II was restored to the English throne in 1660, he reinstituted December 25th as the birth date of Christ. There were periods of time in the United States, in America, before the United States, that it was actually against the law to be caught celebrating Christmas. But now everybody does. Now, I'm not in favor of making it against the law, but I'm just pointing out the fact that this is a controversial subject and not simply to be accepted hook, line, and sinker that we need to look at and examine these holidays, where they come from, and what is good in the holiday and what is not so good in the holiday, and what we may be missing because we are distracted by all the blinking lights and uh, rap presence and music and and the excitement of the holiday that may draw us away from the true essence of following Christ. 
since the sun is obviously one of the most important visible objects in the universe, and since it was the ultimate source of light, heat, food, it was inevitable that primitive man should worship the same. The reality is that not all primitive men worshiped the sun. We have a very low opinion of the primitive man, and that comes from a concept of evolution today, that somehow they were stupid and we are smart. In reality, many of those ancient men were smarter than we are. In 400 A.D., Irishmen were uh, calculating the circumference of the globe. So that wasn't a new concept. If you can go back even before Christ, that men were actually calculating the circumference of the globe with almost no instrumentation whatsoever. It is uh, amazing the amount of knowledge that men have had in the past and then forgotten. And one of the reasons they forget them is they become immersed in superstitious rituals that they do not understand the source of them, the purpose of them, or the repercussion of those superstitious rituals, one of which is Christmas. Not that we cannot celebrate Christmas, or you should not. I'm not going to make that judgment call. You make that judgment call in your own lives, in your own hearts, based on what you will hopefully understand about that ritual and other rituals that Christ and God did institute or encourage through their prophets. There are elements in all these rituals that can be very bad, and what happens is evil takes a good ritual or ceremony that is used kind of to help support man on his journey back to the graces of God, and they twist it slightly so that it actually becomes detrimental to that journey. They excite it and elaborate upon it so that it becomes distracted to that journey back to God that would draw you nearer God. And they get you to go farther away. And, and you see the same thing with the Corban that preceded the Corban of the Pharisees and the Corban of the Pharisees which made the word of God to none effect. Both were Corban. Both had the same purpose in mind but because of a slight twist or shift in the procedure or ritual or ceremony of that Corbin, it completely reversed its value as to its purpose, which was to bring you closer to God, and instead it brought you farther away. And understanding the precept upon precept of these rituals and ceremonies and what you should include and what you should exclude is essential. Unfortunately, many people start to, you know, they want to go back and look like they're Pharisees, you know, dress and wear their hair and put on robes and have the prayer shawl and put on a hamakkah and, and all these other external rituals, but they never get to understanding the essence and precepts that were to be carried through that external ritual as sort of a message to, to help govern you, to let you know, I'm on the path, I'm off the path. And that's why we have things like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, if you're committing adultery, murdering people, robbing people, coveting your neighbor's goods, you're not on the path. 
And you know that because you've gone over the boundary markers, the guideposts, the Ten Commandments. It's not like a tally sheet. God can forgive it all in an instant. It's showing you that if you're doing these things, you don't really love God. And we see the same thing in Christ. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You, and sure, those, all those commandments hinge on two things, loving God and loving your neighbor. But the reality is that if you're coveting your neighbor's goods through the agency of government, you don't really love your neighbor. If you are absolutely willing to hire men to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. I heard somebody say just last night, talking about an elderly gentleman who evidently is getting Social Security now and kind of into all kinds of problems. And they said, well, that, he's entitled to that money. He has a right to it because he paid into it. No, you don't have a right to it. The law says you don't have a right to it. The regulations surrounding Social Security say you don't have a right to it. They can take all those benefits away and you still have to pay into it. They don't have to give you anything. That's the rules. Read it. It's not insurance. It is, it is Corbin. It is a system of Corbin. And you have to pay into it, and everything you pay into it is already paid out to others. That's the way in which you took care of the widows and orphans. And the people that are now in the workforce are to take care of the needy of your society, and they are to pay in. And they can be forced to pay in. And that's why the Corbin of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect because it wasn't dependent on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. There's a simple little thing. Both are Corbin. Social Security is Corbin. When you give to uh, your local church to help out the needy in your church and in your community, that's Corbin too. Which one makes the word of God to effect and which one makes it to none effect? The one where you force the Corbin the sacrifice of the people makes the word of God in none effect because you take away the choice and then you make the man a thing, a human resource. And we go into that in other places. Back to this thing of the sun. They didn't really worship the sun. They knew it was important. They knew it was created by God. They knew it wasn't God. They knew it was a big ball of fire up there in, in, in space rotating around. They had figured where the stars are. They had done all this many times. Sure, societies grew up and forgot that, but there were always people going back 400 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 3,000 years that had figured all this out, and they understood that. And primitive men weren't so stupid. They eyes in their head could see the sun going round. <laughs> they, they, they figured this out. They knew what was going on a lot more than we give them credit. The popular misconception that they were all a bunch of stupid savages going around. <laughs> okay, so anyway, they knew that the sun was important for the seasons. It created vegetation. It helped. It uh, uh, warmed them. <laughs> Nothing like a cold day sitting in the sun, feeling that first warmth. You may not worship it any more than all those people I saw at church around the stove last night. When they first came in, it was kind of chilly in the church. And there were many people standing around the stove, and I was just at the other end of the building. And I thought, well, they're all worshiping the stove now. In a little while, they'll go and worship at the other end. <laughs> but, uh, that was because it was cold. Uh, the Jews called uh, it the Passover. That was another day when the you have this uh, period of time where the sun is sinking lower and lower in the sky 
and then all of a sudden it seems to hang there for a little bit, and then it begins to get higher in the sky, and then that's when the sign that the warm weather is going to come back, the growing season is going to come back, and that's what we call the winter solstice, and that's when they celebrate the return of the sun created by God to us as a gift from God. doesn't mean they're sun worshipers, although some men became sun worshipers. What is the distinguishing characteristic? That's one thing we're going to need to look at when we return the keys of the kingdom. ahead of the dominant media firstamendmentradio.com and firstamendmentradio.net around the world and on satellite since the beginning of time kings have sought it nations have fought for it it has been traded it has been borrowed it has been purchased it has been stolen there's a reason for it to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity invest with the security of gold and silver Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or... War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. Get this DVD presentation for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Call 559-781-3773. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Hi, Nichols here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter at dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, 
First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Okay, we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about holidays, we're talking about the distinction between the holidays that God offers us to awaken us, to draw us nearer to Him, the practices, the rituals, the ceremonies that draw us nearer to Him, and the essence that is often altered in those holidays, rituals, and ceremonies that actually makes us get farther away from Him and leads us away from God, His Spirit, His way. And one of those was Christmas that we see as the winter solstice. It was practiced by many others, and we'll maybe get into that. I don't know if I can get through everything in just an hour. But join the network, the Living Network, and we have ministers all over the country now that will help you find answers and direct you. But more important... They will help bring groups together, small groups together, congregations together, not isolate them, but connect them in a network that reaches all across the country, into Canada, hopefully into South America soon, uh, over to Australia. They're about to form another congregation of record. And we want everybody to be connected because we're not just a church of congregations. We want you to think kingdom. And these Rituals and ceremonies, these feasts and holidays were very much a part of that. And unfortunately, a lot of people are going back and trying to to focus on the ritual, the day, what have you, and they're actually causing division. And they're not focusing on the precept and purpose of these holidays or feast days and understanding how they were to bring the people together. And so if your celebration of the holidays is dividing people, it's probably not in accordance to the ways of God. It should be bringing people. Now, that isn't saying that there aren't some people that we should be dividing ourselves from, but we should be dividing ourselves from those people based on those virtuous precepts, not upon some ritual form. If it's the ritual form that has become tantamount or uh, overly important, it is a form of idolatry. As we see the early church referring to idolatry, paganism, and sacrilege by the command of the Roman church that everybody follow December 25th as the birth date of Christ and celebrate this Saturnalia holiday that had been celebrated by so many before. Real briefly, Constantine suddenly came in and said he was a Christian. He didn't show any signs of that Christianity in his real life. He was killing people throughout his life by uh, his partners, uh, whole villages, just wiped them out. Uh, he was an uh, authoritarian ruler that forced the contributions of the people and then literally bribed people to become a part of his brand of Christianity. And out of that was born what we know well, I shouldn't even say what we know as the Roman Church, but the history of the Roman Church began. Roman Church has gone through all kinds of evolutions over the 
the the centuries, you know, and we don't have time to go into that. And it's not important. It's important that we go towards Christ and not belong to some church. That's what we want to belong to is Christ. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, is belonging to God, being ruled by God. In order to do that, we need to be virtuous people. In order to be virtuous people, we need to repent. We need to change our ways. And many of the holidays, traditions, rituals that we have grown to accept through these false religions, apostate religions, are drawing us away from the ways of God, and therefore we are do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that would allow us to perform those miracles that we see in the early church. And we wouldn't be performing them, it would be performed to us by that Holy Spirit, working not only in us, but into other people who begin to see that Holy Spirit in not only what we say, but in what we do. So we have this uh, Saturnalia, this winter solstice, and the sun begins to return, warmth begins to return, snows begin to melt, greenery begins to come up, and this brings us to another day that was a holiday. The Jews called that the Passover, and uh, in other countries, uh, the Greeks called it the Lesser Mystery, we call it Easter. And they all fall on a little bit different days because they have different ways of calculating it. But that would be the holiday that is similar in time period to the other holidays that we see, like Passover, etc. But what is the essence of those days? What are we doing on those days? What is the purpose of those days? What are the precepts we are to learn through going through this ritual? A ritual is just a way of describing and acting uh, and uh, going through a, a, set, a state or a set of procedures or steps that emulates or gives us the message of a precept of God that has a spiritual reality. You cannot conjure up the Holy Spirit by doing this, this, and this, and then the Holy Spirit has to come to you. That's the essence of witchcraft, that, you know, you mix this up and you do this and you stand this way and you say these words and presto, bingo, you get the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. If that were true, you would be God. And this is one of the great uh, fallacies of modern religion, that if you do this, do this, say this, say that, boom, presto, you're saved. And it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way if God is God and you're not God. So anyway, we have other holidays that we see uh, in the fall, which have to do with harvest festivals. We see the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booze in Hebrew language. We see the Great Mystery in the Greeks. And we see Thanksgiving here in America. These correlate to this same thing, but how is it again do we see Christ, do we see the Father in our celebration of these holidays? Not, oh, I got the right day, you got the wrong day, so I'm better than you. Okay, if we go back to this great Osiris, which we mentioned earlier, original Savior God of antiquity, who uh, was a prototype of all others, was the Egyptian Osiris. According to the myth, which runs back uh, to a period about 3000 B.C., uh, Newt, the sky goddess, and Keb, uh, the earth god, became the parents of quintuplets born successfully in the last five days of the year, these children were said to have been conceived on the 25th of May, which was the day 
the waters of the Nile began to rise. And so they're correlating all these uh, gods or goddesses with actual physical events that are true in their uh, area. We don't we don't base our seasons on the Nile rising and flowing uh, and irrigation through the sediment waters of the Nile. We base it on other things in other parts. That's why it's always kind of interesting. They talk about wave sheaves and barley. If you come from northern Canada, you're not going to be waving your sheaves of barley at the same time <laughs> as you did when you were down there in Israel. And so that can't be the essential of that uh, that uh, ritual and ceremony and holiday. The essential has to be somewhere else. Uh, this uh, Osiris and his sister Isis taught the people of Egypt how to make bread from wheat and ale from barley. Osiris was said to have been uh, murdered by his brother Set on November 13th, the day which the grain was sown, and he was said to have been resurrected from the grave by uh, the help of Isis on November 18th, the very day in which the wheat began to sprout. Again, you see, these myths have to do, you know, Jesus talks about a seed has to go into the ground before it dies, to die before it can sprout again. These are analogies of precepts and principles, and we see the same thing incorporated in this Osiris and Isis. These original religions may have had some good characteristics to them and good messages to them. And it wasn't really that they thought there was an Osiris and an Isis and everything, but these are just the myths in which they carry this message in. In almost all these cases, the myths become distorted and twisted because men have a twisted heart. You can go back to the Arthavedas uh, and the scripts that are probably some of which were written by Abraham himself, or at least the uh, contemporaries of Abraham when he was in northern India, uh, uh, before they went to Ur, which is historically, you know, if you read the book Thy Kingdom Come, we show step by step. Uh, there's a lot better and more extensive books on the subject, but we give you enough references to show you that this was the other side of the flood where uh, Abraham came from was these floods that took place in northern India in which they came and settled in the city of Ur, which actually was uh, from another period altogether. And then they built up that city. And there's a lot of excavation going on there. We don't have time to go into that where they're uncovering all these tablets. But even in Ur, they took another turn in the wrong direction because they didn't understand. Because the man is constantly returning like the dog to his vomit and the pig to his mire. And unless we understand that process, we too will follow that same way. So these these rituals in Egypt, these rituals in uh, Rome, all became distorted. This idea of equality when there was no kings, we had the same phrases in the Bible referring to the early days of Israel when there were no kings, but then there was kings, and then they became corrupt, and they began to go and do things the wrong way, and so they all of a sudden you have Christ coming on the scene, and they have a Corbin that stems back to ancient times, but it is changed, it is twisted, it is turned upside down. And it turns us, instead of towards God, away from God. Even this great Isis, Isis was from the beginning a very potent divinity of the Egyptian religion. She overshadowed Osiris himself, 
there arose also an independent ISIS cult which spread all over the Roman Empire at a time when corruption was coming into Rome. In Rome alone, there was over 58 splendid temples of ISIS, which uh, tens of thousands of her adherents found their life consolation in those temples. At an early date, these uh, characters of ISIS had been uh, exported from Egypt and appeared in Sicily, Greece, Italy, under the name of Demeter and Kor. The cult of care spread for uh, far and wide in, and in Alexandria and all over, and its maiden festival was celebrated on January 6th, which was an early day that they used to celebrate the birth of Christ on. And this was, again, by Roman uh, proclamation, Roman Church proclamation, uh, the 6th was set aside for the 25th to create this uniform liturgy from the top-down authorities of the people instead of from the bottom-up and the authority of the Holy Spirit living in the hearts of every individual. And so you have this whole uh, holy emanation of uh, these uh, Mithra cults as well, uh, the Mazdean religion, which existed for thousands of years before Christianity, was based on this worship of the sun or the presence of the sun. They actually worshiped, they didn't worship the sun itself again. They, they knew God created the sun. There were some people who get carried away with this and become more and more ignorant as they focus more and more on the ritual and they forget all about the creator and they begin to worship the creation. We see phrases in the in the New Testament that warn us about that, where we worship the creation rather than the Creator, and that that's one of those trip places in our thinking that moves us away from this original purpose and precepts of God. So this uh, whole religion of Mithra, who was this god of battles and this a mediator between Ahura and the human race, he was also a savior god who performed great feats, which saved mankind several times. The holy days of the cult was Sunday, which the Christians began to celebrate again by the order of the Pope as their Sabbath in the 4th century instead of the Jewish 7th seventh, uh, seventh day, uh, which was the Sabbath of early Christians. and was the Sabbath for early Christians for many years. Again, we've already talked about that in a previous show, that the Sabbath is a day of rest. Yes, the church often met on Sunday, but that wasn't their Sabbath. They had already taken their Sabbath. They met on Sunday because it was the first work day of the week, and they had a lot of work to do because they were a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Then they had to gather together and make sure everybody had enough provisions to get them to the next Sabbath and make sure everybody was okay. They hadn't seen anybody for a day because they had all taken a Sabbath on the seventh day. So Sunday was their work day. So according to the myth, he was born uh, in a cave, this Mithra. He was born of a virgin. He was born on December 25th. And there were shepherds who sang songs and heralded his appearance. Yes, this is exactly what we hear talked about by Christ. So was did somebody slip these uh, parts that we see at the beginning of Matthew and Luke into the text of what was originally Mark's gospel? Uh, great deal of controversy over that. It's, it's not really that important. 
what's important is that we are led by the Holy Spirit, that we are brought into the presence of Christ and Christ in us by following his ways. And what happens is we get so distracted by all these other rituals and ceremonies and dogmas and doctrines that and you see it. You go read the doctrines of churches. They got you gotta believe this, you gotta believe this, you gotta believe this, none of which Christ said. And they go down their whole doctrine and they never get to the points where Jesus is talking about the weightier matters that you need to be attending to. He never gets to talking about you are not to be this way. Um uh, that uh, you're not to exercise authority one over the other. You are not to be like the benefactors who who do that, who, or the men who call themselves benefactors. They, they don't have that in their doctrine. They have all these other things that are not even very... They only appear in a few of the Gospels, uh, aren't emphasized, and this is why I was saying you put all four Gospels over top of each other, you put them over the top of the Old Testament and you see what repeats itself and sticks up. Moses said, love thy neighbor as thyself. I, I don't even see that in most of the doctrines of churches, you know, the official doctrines. But that's, you hear it all over the place, in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament. You're even supposed to love your enemies in both New and Old Testament. One of the great uh, divinities, this Mithra, uh, correlates so much to what we know about Christ today. It's actually spooky, and you have these uh, outfits like Zeke guys coming along, just shattering Christians' beliefs with iconoclasm, but offer no replacement, no solution, no precepts of Christ. You see, that's what we need. Is we don't need... You know, we don't want to be just an iconoclast and tear all these ideas and beliefs down. Uh, they're not they're not that important, some of them. Some of them are important. And I'm not going to get into which ones are, but I'm just going to constantly take you back to these precepts that are constantly repeated over and over again in the New Testament and the Old Testament that are clearly the precepts of God. There were all these other festivals before Christianity became uh, the state religion of the Roman Empire under the Constantine. There had, uh, for centuries, been great celebrations known as the Saturnalia, which we already discussed, and they lasted for seven days from December 17th to the 24th, and then uh, this annual week of goodwill to all and equality for everyone. Uh, during this period, uh, sexual conduct was uninhibited. Now, it wasn't that way originally, but it became that way. Uh, slaves and masters exchanged places and traded their normal dress, and the owners waited at tables on their slaves. This was to celebrate the shortest day of the year, then the arrival of the new sun. The long holiday was concluded with a climax feast on December 25th, known as Bermalia, on which gifts were exchanged and joy and happiness prevailed. After this, everybody went back to work and back to the old way. If you went over to the Teutons, they didn't quite have that. Uh, Teutons, they didn't have the divorce and the sexuality and the homosexuality and all these other things that were degrading the purposes of society and, and sex. And... Uh, uh, relationships between men and women, which is the foundation of society. That's where society comes from. 
they did have their Kris Kringle, their Yule Tree, uh, you know, which was all, you know, and the reindeers and all that kind of stuff, and, and the idea of climbing down the chimney and giving gifts to those who were good and bad, uh, you know, those you know, bad gifts to the bad ones and good gifts to the good ones. Anyway, early Christians knew nothing of this birth uh, and boyhood life of Jesus preceding the baptism. Even the first two chapters of Luke and Matthew, which uh, some say uh, were forgeries even, and that's another whole controversial subject, and I mention it here so that you know that you're not going to hear it from strangers first. Uh, you know, there's a great question about who even wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It appears that Mark was clearly written by uh, a translator who worked for Peter, and based on what Peter told him, he wrote Mark. He didn't have any first-hand information. This is quite a while after Christ. And he wrote Mark. And it is very clear that uh, Matthew and Luke used Mark as a template to write their own, but then added a additional things. Was it Luke who actually wrote that? It's, it's fairly evident by most of the records that we do have that it's highly unlikely that he did but it's attributed to him as a source, the same way with the Gospel of John. Nobody knows who wrote it. It's very unclear. There's all kinds of evidence that brings it into question. As Christians, you're going to come across this, and it will shatter your faith if your faith is built upon an object. The Word of God lives in the hearts and minds of men. You are given the Bible as cryptic as it can be, as difficult to interpret at times that it can be, as easily as it is to be twisted around, you are given it anyway to help guide you. The same as the Ten Commandments. If you see yourself stepping outside of this uh, pattern that is seen in that text, then you know I'm missing the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, it is God writing His hearts upon your laws and your uh, His laws upon your hearts and upon your minds that brings you closer to God, not the book alone. The book is just a tool, and it can be misused, just like a hammer. You can hit your thumb with it. You can hit somebody in the head with it. Uh, you can do all kinds of bad things with it, or you can build a house with it. This epiphany, all of these, however, uh, only tentative attempts to establish the date of birth of Christian Savior during the 3rd century, January 6th, gradually came to be accepted as the date of Jesus' epiphany, uh, and then eventually that was ruled out. Uh, we just won't have time to go into all of these, but if we look at uh, Jesus becomes this solar god, the Latin countries, however, were the cult of Isis, Mithra, and Manicheans were extremely powerful. It is not surprising that the founder of Christianity being drawn into the orbit extremely uh, orbit of the immemorial solar myth in the year 354 by Bishop Liberius of Rome decreed that the birth of the immemorial the birth of Jesus Christ must thenceforth be celebrated on December 25th instead of on January 6th as in the previous years. The Mithraists had been doing precisely the same thing for 500 years and the Osirians for 4,000 years. 
thereafter, December 25th, gradually became more and more popular as the birth date of Jesus. The church at Antioch adopted in uh, about 370 uh, in Constantinople, in 380 in Alexandria, in 432 uh, at Jerusalem, in 549. Uh, this Mass of Christ, this Christ Mass, was celebrated almost universally on December 25th by such means the immemorial pagan rejoicing which celebrated rebirth of the various and life-giving son became the birthday of the founder of Western faith. It is one of those marvelous events that shows how human emotion and physical need as translated into religious doctrine and mythical history for the race of man lives not in reason, but in the yearning for its aspiration. I'm again reading. What is the purpose of Christ? That is what we need to find. We need our holidays to come together in that purpose and no other purpose. And that is why we have holidays. Unfortunately, we misuse them. Until we meet again, may peace be upon your house. May God be You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.